it's a normal thing to see a code and a girl promoting a product that looks hot on Instagram. But I feel like in 2012, it wasn't a thing. Um, and I just thought logically, I'm, I'm no genius, probably very average IQ. And I just thought, hey, these people have a following. If I get them these products and they wear these products and like these products, their followers will see these products. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to top athletes, coaches, influencers, and minds from around the world of strength sports. Presented by BarBend.com. Today, I'm talking to powerlifter, podcaster, producer, coach, and YouTuber Mike Farr, probably best known in the fitness industry as Silent Mike. That's a lot of roles. And Mike's self-written Instagram bio simply reads, male internet entertainer. Originally a passionate basketball player, Mike first built his reputation in strength as part of the team at Super Training Gym, where he co-hosted podcasts and made countless videos with powerlifting icon Mark Bell. Mike was also a huge part of the marketing for Slingshot's line of products in the strength community. Mike was one of the first in fitness to see the full potential of social media as powerful platforms for athletes and coaches alike. And after leaving super training, he's continued to build on his work in the space. Along with Omar Isif and Bart Kwan, Mike is one of the masterminds behind Kaizen Training. Mike also co-hosts the 50% Facts podcast with longtime friend and collaborator Jim McDonald. Silent Mike is one of the most straightforward, tells it like he sees it people in strength sports. That genuine attitude has been a huge reason for his success and popularity, and it filled our conversation with some really interesting takeaways, including a few things Mike says he's never talked about or expressed on air. He's cerebral, honest, entertaining, inquisitive, all at the same time. And just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the Barbend podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. This helps us stay on track in bringing you the best content possible week after week. And if there's someone you'd absolutely love to hear on a future Barbend podcast episode, let us know in your podcast review. I personally read each and every review, so your suggestions will be seen. All right, on the Barbend podcast today, we have Mike Farr, probably better known online as Silent Mike. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Okay, my first question, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leapfrog myself. I talked about some questions offline with you before this, but the, the first one, how'd you get the nickname? Yeah, I think um, it started at Super Training Gym, whatever that is, eight, nine years ago. Um, although I'm pretty like loud once you get to know me, and obviously now I create content for a living. I'm, I kind of have like, I don't want to say I'm split personality because that's like a real thing, and I'm not diagnosed by anything, but I kind of like two sides of me. I'm, I'm pretty introverted. Um, and so when I'm outside of my comfort zone, which I think a lot of people, I tend to be really, really shy. Um, speaking to a camera by myself is pretty easy because there's no one around me. I'm normally in my home or my gym and I'm comfortable. Uh, but I went into super training gym and I don't know, 2011. Uh, and it was literally the strongest gym in the West at the time. Everyone's like, I don't know, three to five guys squatting over a thousand pounds three to five guys probably benching over 600 pounds. Everybody's, I think, at least in their 30s or 40s. I was 22 years old. Uh, I lifted raw. Everybody's in gear. Um, 
a lot of PED use, a lot of like man talk. And I'm just like a kid going to junior college, uh, trying to figure out my life. So I basically showed up. I was super, super quiet. Um, they did a little bit of YouTube at the time. And I think in a video, Mark just said silent mic because I literally never spoke a word to anybody. Um, and then it stuck. I, I, I was wondering if maybe you were really into like the view of universe, like Kevin Smith movies or something like that, but never uh, even seen them. <laughs> That's the reference everybody makes and like, Oh yeah, I thought you're like a silent Bob fan. I was like, I don't, I've never even seen that movie. It's it's if you haven't seen the movie silent Bob and all these movies, he is silent for like 99% of the movie. And then at the end of the movie critical moment, he's the one who says something like super impactful. And it's always what changes the course of, of the movie. It's always what like convinces a character to go a different direction. It's always something really like, it's, it's a revelation or something like that. So I was like, yeah, oh. I'm probably opposite. I, I probably <laughs> talk 90% of the time that is useless. So you, you walk into super training around 2011, uh, strongest gym in the West, um, tons of, tons of storied power lifters and great feats of strength coming out of there. You connect with Mark Bell. Is it the first time you'd met Mark? Uh, yeah, I, I visited the gym maybe 2010 or something. Uh, at the time I was going to junior college. Uh, I had my own training facility. I was training people out of a personal training studio. I was working at a commercial gym and I was coaching high school basketball. Uh, and I was like, all right, if I'm going to like find a career that's not through college, cause I absolutely hated school. Um, I was like, I better like just get smarter. And I was like, well, I got to get around stronger people. I got to take this lifting thing a little more serious. Um, so I visited the gym and I was even like, no one was even there. I think Mark and like two other guys. And I was even like more intimidated because it was the first time. And then like took about six months for me to go back and have like a real team training session. Uh, and then I stuck around after that. But yeah, that was the first time I ever met any, probably any real power lifter, to be honest. You became a face of that facility pretty shortly thereafter. And for a number of years, it was the Silent Mike and Mark Bell show, or at least that's how people interpreted it from the media standpoint. You all were creating a lot of content together and really kind of growing the brand and were dual faces of that brand. How did that relationship really grow and, and come about? And was there a moment when in talking to Mark, you know, you knew you were going to be a face of the super training facility and kind of all of that that stood for. Yeah. I think a lot of it was pretty organic. Um, I think it was probably within the first couple of months, uh, Jim McD, uh, did all the YouTube footage at the time and he pulled me outside and they interviewed me for a YouTube video. Um, and then after that, probably within six months, Jim came to me and said, Hey man, I have an idea for a podcast, uh, with Mark. Uh, do you want to be a co-host? And I was like, man, I have no idea what a podcast is, but sounds fun. Like I'm down. Uh, I went to an art school my whole life. So I've been in like theater, choir, I played tons of musical instruments. So like kind of, if you want to call this performing arts felt natural enough, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and I think that's probably what kind of gave the lift to a lot of things. Uh, from there, I started, uh, I didn't want to coach high school basketball. I, I did want to coach high school basketball, but I wasn't making any money. Um, and so Slingshot had been around for, I don't know, nine months or maybe a year. And I simply just text Mark like, yo, man, uh, I know you got this company. Uh, do you need a job or do you have a job? I, I need to work. And so I started working there uh, as the podcast started going, um, like convinced him to get an Instagram. Uh, we started putting more content on his YouTube channel and Jim's YouTube channel, plus the podcast. And then from there, I think it was just kind of a snowball effect. Um, I don't want to like misquote Mark, but I think Mark has a story of like some training session uh, where we were going at it. And obviously he's using 600 pounds more than I'm using um, or more, but uh, I just wouldn't stop. Like if he said like, 
you know, Westside conjugate method and we're doing eight triples on a, a box squat or something. Like I'm not going to stop till everybody else stops. Like I, I, I'm just a competitive person. Like I don't care that you're lifting more weight than me and I don't care that you're whatever, but I, I'm going to at least work just as hard, if not harder than everybody there. Um, and I think that's kind of the story he told um, to say like, yeah, then Mike's kind of in, you know, he's like at least on the team. And, and uh, I think he kind of saw that and, I did an insane amount of work and research on my own, uh, trying to learn about strength and conditioning. So I think a lot of the other guys went into super training or powerlifting as athletes. So they tried to just get stronger themselves where I kind of took it from like, this is what I love and anything that I love and I'm going all in on, I'm going to try to do as optimal as I can and be as smart as I can and kind of hit it from all angles rather than just like meathead. I lift weight, I get jacked. I wanted to learn everything. So I'm researching 24 seven on my own. Um, so maybe that had another portion of like, I could coach a little bit already where some of the other guys weren't. Um, and obviously when you create content, uh, if you're not doing a full day of eating, like everybody else on YouTube, you kind of have to have some knowledge behind you. No shots at all. My full day of eating friends. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> Now, early on in going back and watching a lot of these videos and following along at the time when you all were first taking off on Instagram, YouTube, the podcast was growing. What I personally loved and what a lot of people I've talked to in the strength community loved was the authentic authentic take. There were not a lot of pulled punches. There were not a lot of things censored out. It was a pretty honest look. And uh, obviously, Mark is someone who's been literally in movies very honest about everything in his strength yeah. career and gets very personal with it. You're someone who's maybe a little bit more reserved, but still very open about your journey in strength. Is there any approach or is there anything back then that you maybe regret doing or wish you had kind of tweaked your approach to when it came to capturing that content and presenting yourself to the world? It's a good question. Never thought about it, to be honest. Um, obviously there's probably things like training strategy wise or, or exercise science wise that I'd probably go back and say like, yeah, I was probably just wrong or that's probably not optimal. Uh, I'm sure there's something I've said cause I've made so many freaking hours of YouTube and, and, and podcast content that I'm sure I've either misspoke or I just learned from my mistakes. You know, I was 22 and I had like worked really hard to be a good coach, but like now I'm 31. So obviously either I wasted my time or I learned something through that. Uh, so hopefully I, I would probably step back on that. But in terms of like just being myself, I think I was always myself. I think, um, everything we do there and everything I've ever done on my own is always one take. Um, sometimes if I'm trying to get in depth on something, I'll have notes on my phone, but otherwise it's, it's things that I truly know. It's things that I truly believe in. It's things that I truly feel. Uh, if we get like, you know, more lifestyle stuff we're talking about, so I'd probably say no, no, no honest regrets on anything I've ever said on the internet. Um, obviously, like you said, I don't, I, I don't know if I'd call myself reserved, uh, reserved per se. Like I, I tell everything as it comes up, but um, like I'm not one to like throw daggers. I've never been one for drama. That's just like I have a lot of anxiety in my life. And so it's all really driven by uh, conflict. And so like, it, it, I don't want conflict in my real life. I definitely don't want conflict on the internet. You and I were talking about uh, pre-recording about reading comments and trolls and haters. And like, I'm sure I have some, I'm not that popular, so I don't have a ton, but like, I don't read that stuff, not because it would hurt my feelings, but because it would feel like conflict and drive my anxiety. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think I've always been myself. I, I, I'm pretty like happy. Uh, you know, I've never sold out. I've never never took a supplement deal for money that I didn't believe in, never took any of that. You know, I'm probably the only person with any following on Instagram besides my buddy Omar Isoff, 
who's been on the internet for 10 years and not taking cash for something I didn't believe in. That's great to hear. And I, I think that that authenticity is something that people really value in your approach and also in, in Omar's approach. And we'll get to the work that you're doing with Omar and, and Bart a little later on. I definitely want to touch upon that. Okay, so you're at Super Training Gym for a number of years. Um, you're working with Mark on on Slingshot and that growing that business on content creation. And then you decide to leave. And I, and I remember when that happened, I was... Uh, my background's more in weightlifting and CrossFit, but I was still following along in the powerlifting community at the time. And there was, I saw blog posts and social media posts. Why is Silent Mike leaving? You know, yeah. big falling out at Super Training Gym. And it was all these very clicky things. And no one, you know, really knew besides yourself what was going on. So if you wouldn't mind, share a little bit of the background on, you know, why you decided to leave, strike out, do things differently, and basically how that all kind of came about. Yeah, I think it's funny. I've never had like a real job. I, I've owned a bunch of businesses. I started like my own company, te- not technically, but me and my friends started companies when we were in eighth grade. We started DJing and I DJed for six years. I, same friend, shout out to my boy, Chris. We started a, a car washing company in high school. Like we were always just doing our own thing. So I've never had like quote unquote corporate job besides a commercial gym I worked at. When you put your life on the internet and like in a way, I definitely chose this life, but in a way I didn't know what was about to happen, right? I just started posting fitness content on the internet and people started to follow Uh, any decision you make or anything you do, whether it be personal relationships, family, obviously in my case, business is under a microscope. Uh, I would love to survey all these listeners, the Barband family, and see how many people have even been at one job for five years. it's natural progression of humans. They want to move on. They want to do their own thing. Uh, you either want promotions or you want a different category or you want a different topic or you maybe you want to move cities or whatever it might be. Uh, point being, um, I gave super training everything I had for five years. Again, like no regrets in anything I did. I worked my tail off. Uh, I worked every single position in that company from printing t-shirts in a hundred degree garage uh, to product design, to marketing, to social media, to obviously the content creators and the stuff you guys saw, to customer service. I was on the phone at six o'clock in the morning because East Coast is nine o'clock, answering guys' sizing questions uh, out of my living room. Uh, I literally did everything. And uh, it was just time to move on, uh, time to do my own thing. Uh, I think we're heading kind of separate ways anyways in terms of maybe what we see or what we do or how we think. Um, and so... Yeah, I just I, I had I headed out. I started when I was 22, and I left when I, I don't know I was 27 or something of that nature. Um, learned a lot, had some good times, had some bad times, and then uh, just been on my own, just trying to figure it out. You know, what is your relationship like these days with the uh, the super training folks and some of those original folks you connected with in your early days of powerlifting? The super early guys, um, to be honest, I don't really talk to. Some of them had left super training even before I did. Um, some of them are still around here and there. Um, but a lot of the guys as geared powerlifting became a little less popular as people just progress, you know, like geared powerlifting in particular, like takes a lot of time, energy, and even more money than raw lifting. Cause you obviously have to buy these suits. You got to warm up raw. Then you're putting the suit on all this junk. Uh, a lot of those guys are just gone. Um, so some of those guys left before me kind of lost contact for really cool guys. Um, Jim McD, obviously one of the most OG he'd been around before super training was a gym. Um, him and I talk daily, uh, some of the kind of middle level, that's much like chapters, right? To everything we do, there's chapters of the super training and it's cool. Cause you can see it in YouTube. 
um, kind of the different guys I ruled through. Uh, my boy Dan and Marcus, Filipino Thunder, I talk to them and see them regularly, um, train with them sometimes, play video games with them sometimes. Um, but otherwise, that's about it. So those two guys are really good training partners of mine. Uh, Dan and Marcus, really good friends of mine. See them, Jim McDee. And then uh, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know who's around because the chapter's been two, two, three years ago, you know? <laughs> that long, that long history, all those people. Yeah. yeah. Well, since in, since you've left Super Training, uh, you're known for still very active in the content creation space. We'll get to that in a second. Kaizen Training is definitely something that you've put, I know, your full force behind with Omar Isif. And then if I'm, if I'm correct, Bart came along and got involved in that a little bit later. How did those collaborations first start and what was the, the theory and impetus behind Kaizen Training? Yeah, uh, a lot of my network grew because I started kind of the social media marketing, I think. And I don't want to take credit, but I'd love to take credit if it is true. Uh, social media marketing like wasn't a thing. Like it, it, I'm sure it was a thing in MySpace days, maybe Twitter days a little bit, but like it is an absolute monster now with Instagram and how many people have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. It's a normal thing to see a code and a girl promoting a product that looks hot on Instagram. But I feel like in 2012, it wasn't a thing. Um, and I just thought logically, I'm, I'm no genius, probably very average IQ. And I just thought, hey, these people have a following. If I get them these products and they wear these products and like these products, their followers will see these products, bada boom, bada bing. And so um, as soon as I got a little bit of um, um, more power or more confidence in me from the, the, the slingshot owners, uh, and I was allowed to kind of do a little bit of marketing, got a little budget for some product. I started reaching out to people. And I think Omar and Bart were probably the first two that I reached out to. Um, as that kind of started to go full circle, we all collaborated on YouTube or lifting weights or, or podcasts or whatever. And uh, they just happened to be two, two of the most. And I reached out to, I mean, I, at one point I felt like I knew every single person that ever touched a barbell on the planet just because of how many people I was interviewing and talking to and emailing and meeting at the Olympia and whatever. Um, but those two in particular, and then a little later along Alan Thrall, um, I think we're just more the most like-minded people that I've ever been around in the industry. Uh, I think I'm pretty different. Sometimes I talk about being a Martian or an alien, just how my mind works, how I move. My vibrations are a little bit different, I think, than a lot of people. Uh, I like to be alone. I don't really like a lot of people. Um, and so for me to like, I was with Omar 24 seven for like three weeks and like, obviously he pissed me off here and there, but it was like uh, more like a brother pissing you off kind of thing. And then um, Bart opened his house to me, uh, within like a couple months of meeting them. And so every time I go to LA, I basically stay at his house. Like they just become family to me. And so, um, that's kind of how that friendship started. And then, uh, we just saw a gap, just saw a gap in the industry in terms of Kaizen. Um, a lot of people were throwing out programs again, because social media marketing and people understood the power. Um, uh, but none of them were coaches like, all right, yeah, you look really good. Or, or man, you deadlift a lot of weight, but like, you're not a coach. Like your stuff doesn't make sense. Like I wanted people to have a simple plan to follow uh, depending on their goals, uh, that allows them to reach their goals a little bit more efficiently at an affordable price. Um, and so we, we, we put our minds together and, and try to figure that out. And, uh, so far so good, uh, just trying to help people reach their goals. What are some of your strength goals right now? Obviously, you know, powerlifting is something that, you know, you were around some of the best, some of the best to ever do it, learn tons from them, got pretty strong yourself. I, I don't care which trolls are attacking you online. You're very much stronger than the average man walking around on the street in America. 
Um, these days, I see you on social media uh, doing a little bit more in the realm of the Olympic lifts. What are your current strength goals? What's your training regimen like these days? And are there any athletic goals that you definitely want to tackle down the road? Yeah, I think uh, kind of as I mentioned, even when I was joining super training, I came into strength and conditioning from basketball. Basketball is something I fell madly in love with probably the only love in my entire life besides like my dogs and my family. Like I was a hundred percent a basketball player. That's what I identified as. Um, and so as soon as that path kind of took an end as I didn't want to go to college anymore and that overpowered how much I love basketball. Um, I always came into strength and conditioning, powerlifting, weightlifting, all these things is kind of, um, an interest, uh, something I think is a really cool tool. Something is, I think is kind of a meditation and something more to adapt as, um, something I can help others with. Uh, basketball is very selfish. I wanted to win. I wanted my team to win. I was going to do anything I could to win. Um, I learned uh, similarly in basketball. I studied a lot of film, a lot of coaches, read a lot of books to become the best basketball player I, I could and to allow my team to win. So in a way, unselfish, I guess, but I never did it in terms of I was going to be an NBA coach or I was going to write a book on it or something of that nature. Um, so just my all mentality towards strength training has always been very different. I've never loved competing. I competed because like you kind of had to when you're on super training. Um, I competed then later because of the pressures of social media. Like I'm not going to uh, fake like I didn't. Uh, sure, I wanted to test myself a little bit, but I hate competing. There's no, there's no fulfillment whatsoever competing and lifting. Uh, I want to look better. I want to feel good. I want to move good. And I need it to, to be healthy mentally and physically. So um, bang my back up pretty bad. Uh, probably four or five years ago, I've had back issues my whole life, but it got really bad. So then I took some time off, just kind of bodybuild aesthetic stuff. And then as soon as my back started feeling a little bit better, um, my guy, uh, Ben Claridad, who owns a weightlifting gym here, uh, he helped me a couple years ago with weightlifting. And uh, so I just decided to mess around. So we've been weightlifting a little bit um, for, I don't know, six months or so, um, just kind of having fun. Uh, my training right now is some kind of squats, some kind of deadlifts, some kind of weightlifting movement, although it bangs me up pretty bad. So we'll see how long my body can hang. Uh, and then finish with some hypertrophy stuff, kind of like just a simple push-pull um, accessories on top of that. Is there anyone in the strength community who maybe you haven't had a chance to work with that closely, or maybe you have, but someone you particularly admire for their approach to training and just their mindset when it comes to getting stronger? It could be in, in any strength sport. It could be powerlifting, crossfit, weightlifting, strongman, you name it. I'd, pro I'd probably say that the, the only one that I feel like I haven't actually, maybe I shook their hand, but I've never like interviewed, hung out with, or trained with. Because it was cool when you podcast or, or travel, you get to talk hang out, you normally grab food, then you lift together and then maybe you create content. So you really get like a feel for them as a human. Um, so I've done that with, I don't know, thousands of people. Um, but one who's like a pretty, like, uh, super relevant name to me and who I think is one of the smartest and best approach is Mike Tashir. Uh, Mike T uh, is probably the only one I can think of that I haven't, and I'm sure someone's going to be offended. Well, like Mike, you haven't trained with me and I'm a really good coach. All right. I'm sure you're a great coach, Timmy. I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> But Mike T uh, is a legend. Uh, I think he's insanely intelligent. I, I really like his approach to a lot of things. Uh, I've obviously read tons of his articles and followed him for a very long time. Um, as a lifter, he was a stud. As a coach, he's a stud and really revolu revolutionized raw powerlifting. Um, but that's someone I haven't really like, like got to hung out with. Uh, we have insane amount of mutual friends, but um, that'd probably be top of the list. And shout out to everybody I did learn from. I mean, I, I was insanely lucky to hang out with Brian Shaw, Chad Wesley Smith, Ed Cohen, all these people that are insanely smart, insanely cool, uh, really strong. Uh, 
Uh, and I got to literally just pick their brains uh, for work and, and add it to my arsenal. But I think Mike T is probably top of the list that I didn't get to uh, hang out with. Well, Mike T, if you're listening, if you're listening to this podcast, it'll be a few weeks after we recorded it. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully you and Mike Far can, uh, yeah. can do the, the two mics podcast or, or something yeah. like that. So, some way to collaborate. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I got to get him on my podcast. Maybe we'll talk the, the, the invention of the RPE because I'm pretty sure he brought RPE into lifting. Yeah, d- certainly popular, popular. Yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. You know, more yeah. mainstream. So, maybe Mike T let's do it, buddy. All right. Where, where would you most like to visit? It could be a strength facility. It could just be a place, uh, important in strength training, something iconic that you're, where you have, where your travels haven't taken you so far. Uh, I've never been to Westside Barbell. Um, so I've, I've met tons of lifters and a lot of proteges and obviously Mark, uh, came from those roots. Um, but I've never been in the door. I feel like that's something that's pretty cool or met Louie, never met Louie technically. Um, but I don't know, you know, I, I, again, like I think my relationship with strength training is a little different, a little weird one, because like I was never a fan of it. Um, it's just something I did for sport. And then it's something I got into to help other people. And then as soon as I got into it, I was like thrown deep in the mix. It's not like I read, like I read some articles on T nation and heard of Jim Wendler and these people. And then it is a little weird to be having dinner with them, but I was, it's, it's like different for me watching Michael Jordan play my whole life, being a fan, wearing his sneakers. And then now I'm having dinner with them. And I feel like that's kind of cool. Like strength sports are kind of like that. Now, you know, we have these like celebrities, the Steffi Cohen's and Omar Esau's and all these people. It's so cool that other people see them that way. I just never did because when I was 22 and strength training wasn't cool on the internet that I was hanging out with these people to begin with. So, um, I don't know if there's anywhere like, I I like visiting tons of gyms. Like I, I, now there's, when I feel like when I was starting, there was no powerlifting gyms in America besides Westside and Super Training, and then now there's powerlifting gyms in every single city. So uh, to see any facility is super cool to me. I like um, I like own gym owners. I think it's cool that they try to chase their passion and how they set it up and how they brand it, things of that nature. Um, I haven't been to Hybrid, so shout out to Steffi and Hayden. That'd be cool. To, uh, it seems like they're building. I mean, they have built an insane community online and offline, uh, and then it seems like their gym is really really dope in Miami. And I love Miami. So um, West Side and Hybrid, we'll put that down, stamp it. I never give answers like this, by the way. You're getting the first. I never like, I'm really indecisive. Normally I just say like, yeah, man, Jim's cool. But I'm giving you names. I got Mike you. T just popped in my head. I saw your questions and I didn't read them because I like to just think on the top of my head. I never give names. I never give different. If you say like, hey, let's grab food after this podcast. I'd be like, yeah, man, wherever you want to go. Like, I can't decide. I can't decide anything. So giving you three names, that's. That's big time. I caught big you on time. a weird day. This is great. Uh, something, yeah. something, something about the universe is just like a little off kilter today. And I, I got yeah. lucky here. Yeah. They're popping in my head and, 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 and they're all people I know and they're good people and, and shout out to all them. <laughs> let's, talk, on. let's talk about the podcast game. It's something that you've done for a number of years now. I mean, the, podcasting now is, I, I don't want to say saturated. Like we have a relatively new podcast. The Barbin podcast is pretty new. People like podcasts. But when yeah. you got into it in like 2012, 2013, it, it wasn't nearly the thing it is today. And you're, you're, uh, the, the podcast that I think currently takes up the majority of your time in that space is probably the 50% Facts podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. That's priority. That's uh, the main gig with Jim McD. Um, yeah, that's it. 
How did that come about? I mean, Jim, someone you said you, you, you're talking to Jim pretty much every day, even after you, he left super training, you left super training. Is he, sorry, is he still there? Is he still at super training? Uh, no, 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 he's not. So even though neither of you are there anymore, you're, you're, you're still conversing a lot. So, you know, how, what was the impetus behind that podcast? How did it come about? And, and what have your goals been with that cast with Jim? Yeah, I think, um, Jim McDee and I connected pretty good as soon as I went to super training and, and first met him. Um, remind me of one of my high school teachers who I got along with really, really well. And so when you, I think it's, I'm sure it's some smart psychology thing where you make connections to your past and then you, you make yourself more comfortable and being kind of quiet. I, I felt very comfortable with him right away. And then obviously we had hours and years of talking and traveling together. So we got really close. Um, on top of that, uh, my circle is insanely small in my personal life, insanely small, even in my business life at this point, I've, I've shed a lot of kind of the the expo life or whatever it might be that I used to do. Um, but I'm really, really loyal. And Jim's one of the first guys to really give me a huge chance and, and in a way built my career. Um, he gave me a voice on, on, on the podcast and there would have been no silent mic. Uh, I couldn't afford this stupid overpriced chair and this fancy microphone I'm talking to you with, uh, if it wasn't for Jim McD. So, um, incredibly thankful for him uh, and that we crossed paths, but he just came to me and he said, Hey man, uh, I want to do like a show. Uh, and like you said, podcasts has kind of evolved. Um, Joe Rogan's one of the best to just have awesome guests because he's famous and he shoots the shit and they crush it. Awesome. But not everybody can do that. Um, the other thing too, is that I feel like there's so many podcasts out there that are trying to maybe emulate Rogan or even emulate what we did on the PowerCast back in the day. And I was done asking someone like, what was your first squat? I was kind of over that. Um, and Jim was too. And he's like, let's create a real show. Um, and we'll be ourselves and it'll be casual and we don't have a script, but we're going to have a show. And, and, and that was the premise. His premise was we're going to have a topic, a question, very specific. And in the first pass part of the podcast, you and I are just going to explore it with zero research. Uh, we're going to show up, say what we know about it, probably be wrong, ask some questions about it. And then we're going to try to call in uh, one of uh, our friends or someone we know that's the best in the world on this topic and, and give the real answer. So, and, and the premise of, you know, half an hour or an hour show, you're going to get a little bit of um, kind of guy talk, regular podcast, casual, you're going to get us being very, very wrong. And then you're going to hopefully leave with some knowledge uh, and something you can really take away from the show, which is, I think, number one with all content, you got to be entertained or you got to learn something. Otherwise, I think everyone's wasting their time. And I think even when it comes to Netflix or podcasts are obviously insanely popular. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Instagram because I think neither of those are, are the strong point is pretty shallow platform, but YouTube uh, you got to be highly entertained. You got to uh, learn a ton or somewhere in between. Uh, and I think it's valuable, good content. And so that's, uh, that's what we try to do uh, weekly on that show. What's the question that you got most wrong relative to when you brought the expert on and, and really dove into the facts? I think because we're still so early, we've only started like seven months ago or something. Um, we're really sitting in our pocket a little bit and not that I'm like some world expert, but a lot of these things, I just kind of know they're kind of strength and conditioning and nutrition based. Um, so I'm sure I, again, I misspoke and said something totally stupid, but there's nothing I was super wrong yet. What I'm excited about is like, we're going to start to dive into like, uh, psychology or relationships or business. Uh, I really want to dive into like cannabis. That's the most common question I ever get is like, obviously CBD is really uh, popular right now and cannabis in general is legal everywhere. And people want to know if it's healthy or if it helps or doesn't help and all that issue is there's not a lot of experts on that topic, but, um, all those things I'm going to be way wrong. Like I have no business degree. I have no marketing degree. 
I don't, I took some psychology classes in college before I uh, dropped out, but I don't really know anything about that either. Not that great at like talking to girls or anything like relationship stuff. So any expert we have on that, I'm going to be way wrong, which is kind of fun. Um, but that's, that's, I am, I guess the reason why the name of the podcast came about, it was an old podcast and, uh, I used to get too caffeinated and just start to talk. And I claimed, which I still think I'm correct. And Mark and Jim will probably say I'm incorrect that Nazis invented Nutella and like Nazis didn't really invent Nutella. But if you look at the story of Nutella, I believe that they shut down like, um, chocolate trade to Italy at the time of world war two. And there was a farmer out there who wanted to ration his chocolate better. So he started mixing it with hazelnut and invented Nutella. So not that I was wrong. I was just kind of incomplete. Um, but that's, that's kind of where it is. I'm never, I'm not going to say I'm never wrong. I'm often wrong, but I'm often very incomplete with my knowledge. Well, you know, you know, better than just about anyone I've talked to in a long time, the internet loves taking things out of context. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the other idea, Jim's idea behind the podcast. Like you think, you know, everything because you read it in one article or, or you read it on an Instagram post, but like what validates that person? And so like a lot of the people, especially in strength, conditioning, nutrition, or psychology, some of these topics we go into, um, we literally get like PhDs to answer the question. Like these people study this for eight years or longer. Like they know what they're talking about. Or even we did an episode on olive oil. Uh, my mom is a, a professional olive oil taster on an international level. Uh, and so like, there's all these, you know, misinformation going around about uh, olive oil. So she came and kind of answered that the same thing. Like my mom's done that for 10 years. She's taken insane amount of classes, been flown around the world to, to taste and, and judge olive oil. So like, that's not just uh, your random chef at in and out trying to you know tell you what olive oil is good. This is someone who does it at the, the highest level where we all think we know any, everything, but we don't. It's, it's what do they call it? The clickbait era or the, the headline you know generation. Well, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Where can folks follow along? We, we, we talked about a few things, including the podcast, but where can folks follow along with what you're doing and, and the content you're pushing out? And maybe hear some of the answers to these questions that you guys are going to be tackling in the near future. Yeah. Uh, Silent Mike on most platforms, uh, probably most active on YouTube and Instagram. Um, if you Google that, something will pop up. 50% Facts, the podcast we do. Uh, and then uh, I used to say I'm coming to a city near you because I used to travel more than I was at home, but we kind of shut that guy down. So I'm home a lot. So you probably won't see me. Uh, but what, maybe one day, one, one day I might get the itch to travel again and start doing seminars everywhere. Uh, but mostly right now, you can find me on your internet screens. Awesome. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. I hey, appreciate it, man.